welcome to Breakfast with an Alcoholic. This is episode 16, and I'm Randall, your alcoholic host. We have yet another treat in store for you today, but first, I want to thank you subscribers and listeners. You guys are a big part of the reason I get out of bed every morning, and not just because people get cranky if the gratitude list isn't out early enough. Whose idea was it to make it a daily gratitude list anyway? The fifth tradition of Alcoholics Anonymous says that our primary purpose should be to carry the message, and we're about to cross 7,000 downloads since we started here in March. That's amazing to me, and that's because of all of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, like I always say, sharing is caring. So I'd be even more grateful if you shared this. And if you'd like to subscribe, there's a button for that. Our guest alcoholic today is Jamie Saylor Rowe, the author of the Macrodosing newsletter on Substack. She's got a fascinating story and a really interesting take on addiction recovery and the negative consequences of drinking that we all just laugh off. Or used to, I guess. I think you're going to enjoy it. I've been told the pour yourself a cup of coffee line isn't working. But to be honest, I'm not wild about pull up a plate of pancakes and listen. So, come have breakfast with some alcoholics. It'll be fun. Jamie, welcome to Breakfast with an Alcoholic. Thank you. Excited to be here. Uh, it's really great to have you here. Why don't you tell us something about yourself? I am a radical stay-at-home mom with <laughs> lots of strong opinions. Um, and I'm living a very traditional life. And I'm shocked that it is the happiest that I've ever been. Because my previous self was very anti-traditional lifestyles. And being a mom and a wife, super, super happy with that right now. So did I hear that correctly? A radical mom living a traditional life and the happiest you've ever been? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I've never really said it that way, but... That's that's the reality of my life with my personal judgment and interpretation about it, I guess. You are also in recovery. Yep, I have almost three years. Um, in July will be three years. It's been long enough that I, I'm now in the camp of, like, I can't imagine my life with drugs and alcohol. When I first got sober, somebody who had, like, decades of sobriety told me, like, you can't imagine your life without it now, but you know, now I can't imagine, you know, trying to do life with it. And I was so annoyed by that statement at the time when I was trying to get sober. But I'm, I'm totally there now where I'm just like, oh, my God, like, I can't imagine trying to do my life with that just hanging over my head and, you know, being tired and hungover and, you know, worrying about when I, you know, when, when I need to stop drinking. So yes, happily sober. One of the most striking things is like, I really wanted to believe that I wasn't an alcoholic, but the fact that it was so painful for me to imagine giving it up, I think was like pretty obvious that that, you know what I mean? Like normal people aren't like the love of my life is being ripped away from me. Like I can't imagine, you know, it's like that was such an obvious indicator that I was an alcoholic and yet I just couldn't see that. So when did you, when did you start drinking using I think I was a little bit unusual because I didn't have my first drink until I was 18. And then I didn't really drink again until I was 21. So I was a competitive athlete and I ended up playing 
division one like ncaa college soccer on a scholarship so i was very disciplined (laughs) as a child and as a teenager and that kind of in combination with being raised lds kind of kept me out of drinking or anything else so i remember drinking for the first time when i was 18 and i blacked out totally blacked out i woke up in a bed with my friends next to me and i don't have, have any memory of how that happened and it didn't at the time it didn't make me think like something's wrong I was just like oh that's crazy drinking you know and then yeah I didn't drink again until I was like 21 and then it took me I don't know about a year before I started realizing like what alcohol was capable of doing for me which was to numb all of my pain and make me confident and very social I'm a very introverted person which I didn't realize until after I stopped drinking, like my natural being was very introverted and needed so much solitude and space. Alcohol totally fixed that problem, quote unquote, for me. It was about the age of 23, I think, when I tried cocaine for the first time. And that was oh, my true love. <laughs> like that. <laughs> I think my husband hates when I say that other alcoholics and addicts will understand what I mean when I say that like obviously I love my husband and my family infinitely more but like but not like that (laughs) yeah it's just like that feeling it's I think people will say you found what you were missing you know it's funny that you say that and it just made me think of this because I also have heard many 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 times you love drinking more than you love me And it's hard to explain why that's not really like an apples and oranges comparison. Drinking, I also was madly, passionately, romantically in love with drinking. (laughs) It completed me, you know, that's the way it felt to me. Like this was what got me to where I was supposed to be. Of course I loved that more than anyone else, right? (laughs) Right. Like I was compelled to drink and use drugs, specifically cocaine, in order to keep myself at a place where I felt comfortable in my skin. What brought you in? When did you decide it was a problem and how did you come in? (laughs) thing that finally pushed me over the edge was that I, in my head, always thought and said that as soon as I found the right person, like the right man to save me from myself and like give me, you know a family and a house and like all of the things I felt like I was drinking and using to cover up the pain of missing. I thought once I like had that on the horizon that I would be instantly cured, you know? And I was in a relationship that was very new. All of the potential was there. And I ended up, apparently I don't remember this, but I ended up making out with somebody in front of him at a bar, like just on a random night, no events, no reason to be blackout drunk. So he left me the next day, which was the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like, I still think about this guy and I think like, thank God this man knew how to set boundaries and like left me because if he hadn't, I would have just kept going because in the past, like I always was able to just get out of all of this bullshit that I put people through and they forgave me. And this guy was like, nope, I'm not doing this out of here. And I was sober the next day and I've been sober ever since. So we met on Substack. How did you start writing? I've always felt very strongly that I wanted to share like myself with the world, I guess. 
And so Substack is just kind of like my latest iteration of wanting to share what's going on inside my brain with the people who are interested. Um, well, I, I um, have been reading uh, some of the stuff you post and the newsletter is called Macro Dosing. Something that you wrote about recently that I thought was really interesting, you know, your view that addiction and recovery shouldn't be treated as binary. Yes. What, what do you mean by that? I, I dislike that we always put it on the individual of like, you're an addict, you're an alcoholic, and therefore every time you interact with it, it's bad and you're normal. And like, therefore, anytime you interact with it, it's okay. I just think that, you know, it's, it's more dangerous and insidious than we seem to give it credit for as a society, um, alcohol that is. And I wish it were treated more like other drugs. I liked what you wrote so much. I actually wrote it down. <laughs> you wrote, we take it for granted that if you drink, you'll inevitably have negative experiences with it. We all do that, right? And and we think mm -hmm. that it's like, okay, that's just part of the price. So I'm challenging folks who are listening to think maybe it's actually not adding as much to my life as I think it is. And maybe it's taking more away from me than I'm realizing. And you know, for all of the absolutists, the, the big book completely endorses the idea of there being a spectrum. Yeah. You know, there are, there are several points in which Bill says, you know, look, I mean, maybe if you get at it early enough, you won't have to take as many extreme measures. For me personally, I had to get sober first and then I was able to trust myself and figure out what worked for me. There's plenty of time after you get sober to like reevaluate and make changes. But like at the beginning, it just has to be like, try everything, try anything. Like you have to have that kind of desperation to do it by any means necessary. Like, I think I underestimated how much of my negative feelings were because I was just continuously pumping my body full of substances. And so it's like, once I finally got those out, I was like, oh, like, this is what it's like to feel healthy. <laughs> like, and I don't feel so depressed and anxious. Like, my baseline is so much higher. And so I just have less of a need to distract myself. Um, and I think that's like a really tricky, like, original, like, hill to get over. But like, if you can make it over that, it is astonishing how much better I think a lot of people feel physically. I just think that a lot of people are suffering right now because they either they don't or they don't believe that they meet the requirements for what makes somebody an addict or an alcoholic or addicted. I think that, you know, alcohol is kind of given a pass because it's so popular and people love it and it's everywhere that people just kind of take it for granted that like, oh, it's okay. Like that's drinking. Like it's just going to hurt me sometimes. The other thing that kind of helped, I don't know, flip the switch was I think finally widening my spiritual life. And I think I had a spiritual awakening, not, not quite as dramatic as the one that gets described in the big book. But I mean, for me, it was significant. I think that that was my spiritual awakening was that the universe can hold me if I let go. Like I'm not going to fall down and, and 
fall apart. Like something, someone out there. <laughs> I'm more inclined to think something. And I kind of agree. It's more of a thing to me than you know than a person sitting in a big office, you know, checking things <laughs> off list and directing people to close windows and open doors. I don't think that's how it works. I, I kind of think of like a tractor beam, you know, like in a Star Wars movie, you know, and you're coming in there and they just boom. And when you're, when you're <laughs> landing and you're on it, it's great. I, I don't know how it works exactly. I don't know. Is that anything like what your thoughts are about your higher power? I feel like, I guess mine is different. I, I feel like there has to be some sort of scientific explanation for the universal like source energy that connects us all. In my mind, there is like a universal thing that um, connects us all that one day we'll be able to understand, but we just don't yet. I think that is a really lovely and eloquent way to describe it. And certainly sounds a lot nicer than my tractor beam. So <laughs> I think you, I think you win on that one for sure. And speaking of winning, I think it's time for the alcoholic lightning round. It's time now for the alcoholic lightning round. I would like to say that there's no shame involved in this, but that wouldn't technically be true. So, um, and, I, and I also do like to point out that I once was a practicing trial lawyer, so on guard or whatever that's. Um, we're gonna put time on the clock. Superpower if you had one. Time travel. One day they will make a movie called Breakfast with an Alcoholic and you will undoubtedly <laughs> have a role in that movie. Who would you like to play you? Chloe Grace Moore. What is your most prized possession? My house. If your dogs could talk, what would they say about you? They would say, you used to love me because ever since I had my son who's 15 months old, I give them about a fraction of the attention that I used to. And so they would probably express distaste in that. So this would be a better time for them not to be able to speak. Yes. <laughs> I still love them, but I just don't have as much time for them. You are from the state of Utah. Have you been mm -hmm. to the states of Iowa and Ohio? I just visited Ohio for the first time um, because my husband's family lives there, but I've never been to Iowa. Do you know what is significant about the states of Iowa, Utah, and Ohio? No. Wait, yes? Mormon culture? No, they're the only three states <laughs> that only have four letters. All right, finish this song lyric. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody blank blank tonight. Get down tonight? You know, that's not a bad guess, but I am very sorry. <laughs> It's wrong. And I, you know, I even put this in the footnotes now. And I tell people, if you're ever going to be on the show, here's a song you should listen to. I'm sorry, the correct answer is everybody have fun tonight. Everybody Wang Chung tonight. No one, no one is actually very unhappy about getting that question wrong. Well, this was a lot of fun. I'm really glad we got to do this. Well, 
that's another episode of Breakfast with an Alcoholic. I hope you enjoyed it. In fact, I hope you enjoyed it so much that you subscribe. And to make that easy, I put a button down there. You can just push it. Go ahead, I'll wait. <laughs> cool. When you subscribe, you get the daily gratitude list, all of the future episodes of Breakfast with an Alcoholic, the liner notes, the official discography, and so much more. The really great news? You can subscribe today for free. I mean, you're probably also going to be able to subscribe tomorrow for free, but wouldn't today be better? Also, I know it's Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's totally cool if you want to tell your friends about us. It's thanks, F-L-M-S, thanks for letting me share, on Instagram and Twitter. And I put another button down there to make it super easy to share. So, subscribe, like, share, follow, and I will be very grateful. On a serious note, if you need help or want to learn more, nyintergroup.org has a complete listing of AA resources in New York. And there's an intergroup site for every state and a lot of countries. If you want to ask us, we can try to point you in the right direction too. So that's it. You can look forward to the liner notes for this episode soon. And I'm already excited about the next breakfast. And not just because there are going to be pancakes involved. Until then, be well, stay groovy, go to a meeting, and call your sponsor. Thanks for letting me share.